Welcome back to Just Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Colby Olson, joined here by Clay Snowden, my right-hand man, my amigo. We're going to be breaking down our sleeper shortstops today, as well as some guys to stay away from. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's a good amount of names here, but there's not a lot of high-end names or guys that I'm like super, super duper excited about as sleepers on this list. There's a few guys on here that like I'll be targeting deep. Um, There's some rookies to talk about here, especially some playing time concerns with a lot of these guys. Um, But Clay, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing, I'm doing well. There's, you know, we were talking before the show about this list and there's really just maybe two or three guys that I'm, I'm really into here. And the rest are, like you said, some, some late round type type picks, but man, and I think, I mean, I think Clay, I think it's not like there's not a lot of guys on this list that come off to me as clear. Don't draft. Like yeah. there are guys on this list where I think they're fine draft picks, but there's no one that I'm like, wow, you need to go grab him, but there will yeah. be guys that I like. I think that that should be said. All right. So without further ado, I think we should just get right into it. Because if you listen to the last episode, which where we broke down the top 10 shortstops, you probably noticed that one guy and one guy in particular was not on that list. Xander Bogarts did not make our top 10 shortstops list. And he comes in right at number 11. Just, just missed. He's coming in right now, you know, ADP 86, right around where Tim Anderson's going, right around where Wander Franco's going off the board. Um, but the main reason that we left him off was while it was a really good season for Xander Bogarts last year, he hit 307, had 84 runs, 73 RBIs. And what was a down year for the Red Sox offensively? Still stole eight bags, which is something that Xander Bogarts has done for his entire career, right? Stole eight this year, this past year, five before that, eight in 2020 in that shortened season, which is ridiculous because he would have been on like a 20 plus pace um, and hit over 300 for the third time in four seasons. And after hearing all that, you're probably like, what gives, guys? What gives? Why is he number 11? It doesn't really make sense, right? But that's until you look deeper. He only hit 15 home runs last year. His ISO was down to 149, down from 198 in 2021, and down from 246 in 2019 when he hit 33 home runs, right? The power is diminished. The other thing about Xander Bogarts, his 363 Woba, impressive his 323 expected woba not so impressive and when you look at his 307 batting average it goes along with a 259 expected batting average right Sander bogarts is a guy that has been known to outperform his expected stats i think that's a given but when there's that big of a gap and his hard hit numbers were down his power numbers were down There has to be something that's concerning because you go and look at what his expected slugging was. It was the lowest expected slugging of his career. So there's something, I don't know if he was dealing with an injury last year. I really don't know what it was, but Xander Bogarts did not look the same at the plate and as powerful at the plate. And now he's moving to San Diego. So a worse hitters ballpark than Fenway Park. So it's just kind of a concerning profile entering age 30. And that's not to say that he he might bounce back and he might prove us all wrong. 
But just looking underneath, it's a little bit concerning. It is, and that's why he's not on the top 10. I still think he's a great option and definitely somebody who I would be happy to get in, in one of my drafts. Um, WRC plus of 129 or higher, five straight years, doesn't strike out a ton. The drop in power is concerning. Um, his home run to fly ball rate has dropped for the third straight year, down to 10% in 2022. Now you could say he's going to be in a much better lineup. Could that affect make up for the lack of power? You know, maybe he has more run production, more opportunities for RBIs. And that is true. He's not going to steal a ton of bases. Um, I, I do think he's a good option, a guy I would happily have and just kind of count on. Yeah, you know, I feel like you can count on Xander Bogarts being a good fantasy player. He may not be an elite fantasy player. He does have that potential, but definitely a guy I would still happily have on my team. Yeah, I mean, the lineup, the lineup can't be, you know, understated, right? Or overstated, I guess. The lineup is freaking insane for San Diego, and that is one reason to draft Xander Bogarts. But it is, to me, you're getting a less valuable... I think you're, like, you're drafting a name here. And if it was a different name, not Xander Bogarts here, I think that other you would have bigger concerns about this profile from, you know... So for me, drafting Xander Bogarts when I could get another guy like a Wander Franco, I think is a little bit more appealing to me. But, you know, to each their own. I, I'm not saying don't draft Xander Bogarts because he could easily bounce back and be the same Xander Bogarts we've seen for the last five, six years. Um, the power might return, but I'm just bringing up the concern. All right, let's move on to number... You have, you have one more, you have one more yeah, thing? Well, I, so I wanted to bring up a player next. And so, so sorry to jump the gun here. No, I'm just I'm really excited to talk it. about... Willie Adamas, and I want to know what you think about him. This is a guy, personally, I'm not necessarily going to target. I know that he has the power numbers, 13% barrel rate, 44% hard hit rate, um, 83 runs last year, 98 RBIs. He'll steal a few bags as well, you know, between 7 and 10 bags probably, but not the highest batting average, not the world's best approach. Um, it's not like he slams the ball into the ground or anything like some players we've talked about on this podcast, but Willie Adamas, I'm just always going to have questions about the Brewers offense overall. Um, I think he's a good player, but there's other players that I would rather have a shortstop. And he's somebody who I'm probably going to avoid because I know that people will still pick him, you know, relatively high and, um, a guy that I wanted to hear your thoughts on. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting grouping here. And I think to get kind of the full context for Willie Adamas, you kind of have to talk about Willie Adamas along with Jeremy Pena, along with Carlos Correa. Because, you know, Willie Adamas is going ADP 95. Jeremy Pena right now is going ADP 111, so about a round later. And Carlos Correa right behind Jeremy Pena at ADP average 115. So kind of in the same group here. But... I I owned Willie Adamas last year, and it's a really fun profile because he's an extreme fly ball hitter that hits the ball decently hard, um, you know, pulls the ball a decent amount. And I just, you know, you bring up the, the RBI and run concerns, and I think for any hitter that's going to be hitting second in really any lineup outside of, like, you know, a bottom five, a bottom eight lineup in baseball, 
if you're hitting second in a lineup, I think you're going to have plenty of opportunities to drive in runs, to score plenty of runs. Um, so I'm not totally worried about Willie Adamas, you know, not, not driving in runs. Cause that's something he's proven he can do. He hit 25 home runs in 2021, 31 last year, and he hits the ball in the air a ton. The average is a little bit concerning. I mean, he hit 238 last year. But then you look at a guy like Jeremy Pena, who hit 263 in the first half, came hot out of the gate, right? Hit 263, 13 home runs, six stolen bases in the second half as a rookie. And that was incredible. But then in the second half, he slowed down a little bit. He hit 243 with nine home runs and five stolen bases. So finished the year with 22 home runs, 11 stolen bases, an average right around 250. Um, the the intriguing thing about Jeremy Pena is he's always going to, you know, kind of overperform his hard hit metrics. Um, he has a good barrel percentage and he pulls the ball a lot like Altuve does. He pulls the ball, which is always going to give him, you know, more power. He's always going to hit more home runs than I guess the profile would look like it, it, he only has a 36% hard hit rate, but he's going to hit more home runs than that gives off. Um, but to me, I think I'd rather have Willie Adamas, who I know can hit over 30 home runs, who I know can drive in close to 100 runs, score over 80, and still steal 8 to 10 bags, and still hit 240 to 260. When Jeremy Pena basically did that, but not, not as many home runs last year, not as many runs driven in, and they're being taken right around the same area of the draft. And to me, Jeremy Pena at this price... You're you're drafting him to to take it to the next step, I think. And he very well could. I mean, he had four home runs in the postseason. Um, you know, didn't look nervous on the biggest stage. So I I'm not I've been a Jeremy Pena believer. I was last year. I was drafting him as a sleeper shortstop, but I just think his price is a little high right now. Yeah, and you know, I'd actually rather have Carlos Correa um than Pena, honestly. And I'd rather have Carlos Correa than Willie Adamas, too. Um, and I know, you know. All of the weird offseason with Carlos Correa and the injury, um, I guess it was, you know, a physical and what came up with that. And I I just like Carlos Correa as a player. I mean, he hit 291 last year, 366, 362, uh, 140 WRC plus 22 home runs. I think that Carlos Correa is in a good spot. I don't think he's in the world's you know best spot being in Minnesota, but he doesn't have big time strikeout concerns. Um, the batted ball profile looks good. I just think Carlos Correa has put up enough and has enough of a track record that at that value, I still like Carlos Correa. Um, I know that there's some people who don't, but I, in, in the same concerns that you voiced with Jeremy Pena, he doesn't particularly lift the ball all that much. And, um, you know, the whiff rates, chase rates, a bit of a concern and, that's why I'd rather have Carlos Correa than Jeremy Pena, although I do like both of those players. Are you concerned at all with, with Carlos Correa's lack of run production last year in that Twins lineup? I mean, he played 136 games. He had 590 plate appearances. Like It wasn't like he was not on the field a lot. Yeah. He only had 70 runs and 64 RBIs. Obviously, no stolen base. He hasn't been a speed guy. But the run production, for me, kind of jumped out as, as a concern. Yeah, and... and you know, there's definitely reason for that. Um, and that is the one thing kind of holding us back, right? And Luis Arise is no longer in that lineup getting on base um, in front of him, right? So that's definitely a concern as well. 
I just think betting on the overall player here instead of the lineup in particular with Carlos Correa compared to Jeremy Pena is something that I'm willing to do. Um, there's a there's a lot of younger players on the Twins, and um, another guy that we talked about was um, Polanco, right, Jorge Polanco, and how he his data shows that he could easily have a better season. I I think the Twins are a pretty good team, actually. I don't think they're great, but you know, pretty good team. And um, like I said, I'm betting on Carlos Correa off of his track record to be better than Jeremy Pena for 2023. I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction. I'm ranking these three as Willie Adamas. I'm taking. I like Jeremy Pena. I do. Um, I just don't like him as much as Willie Adams because he hasn't proven the power can reach 30 home runs yet. But the the you know power speed combo with Jeremy Pena is very intriguing. And you know, I expect him to improve in his second season. Like we talk about a sophomore slump a lot. I do expect him to take you know, a little bit of a step forward here. Um, and I think that Jeremy Pena, you know, if he's hitting sometimes second in this Astros lineup could have a ton of run production. Um, and yeah, the the lack of steals for me with Carlos Correa is kind of what's putting pushing me off as well as the concerns last year with just a lack of run production overall. But that kind of sums up our thoughts on those three guys. Um, let's move on to Ahmed Rosario because... <laughs> Ahmed Rosario has been around for, you know, what feels like 15 years at the big league level, as does Andres Jimenez, his partner over at second base. But, you know, Rosario is entering age 27 season right now, and he's had back to back seasons where he produced, you know, pretty, pretty good numbers. Hit 282 with 11 home runs and 13 stolen bases in 2021. He hit 283 last year with 11 home runs and 18 stolen bases. So kind of back to back seasons where, you know, he was pretty dang consistent you kind of know what you're getting from Ahmed Rosario he doesn't strike out too much he hits the ball on the ground a lot um, and he's pretty dang fast but he hit the ball pretty hard last year 38.5 percent hard hit rate and then a 43 percent hard hit rate in 2021 so you know he can get into balls he even hit a ball 115.8 miles per hour off the bat which is pretty crazy when you're thinking about Ahmed Rosario but just hits the ball on the ground a lot um I think for me, you know, I don't really have a, a big take on Ahmed Rosario. Like, this is a guy that I would be fine to have on my team because it's a good mix of, you know, high average, a lot of speed, and really good run production. He hits second in this Guardians lineup. I, I don't hate him. Yeah, and you, I like him as a player. I love to watch him play for whatever re- reason. But, um, you know, if you're, like, in a 10-man league, like, he's a guy who can kind of bounce on and off rosters at times and, He's the type of player that when he's on your roster in a week, he'll he'll go like four for six one game with a stolen base and two runs scored. You'll be like, oh, man, this guy's awesome. Then he'll have a cold streak. A guy that, like I said, kind of a replacement level fantasy for most size leagues. And um, somebody who in the past had outfield eligibility will not have that anymore. And um, he doesn't walk at all under 4% walk rate, but doesn't really strike out much either. Not a guy who's going to do a ton for you, but if you need him in a pinch or if you have an injury that comes up, um, he's a guy who might be able to steal you a bag, score a few runs, a decent player. And the drop-off from the players that we have talked about before Rosario to the players that we were about to talk about is pretty significant in my mind. Yeah, I mean, so I think, you know, let's move on to Nico Horner because 
he's he's being drafted about you know 16 slots behind Ahmed Rosario but he has a very similar profile right last year Nico Horner in in 135 games he hit 281 with 10 home runs and 20 stolen bases that's pretty pretty similar and you give Nico Horner you know 150 155 games he might steal 25 bags 12 home runs and if his average is similar to Ahmed Rosario um in a in a Cubs lineup that you know I think is going to improve. We talked about that lap last episode. Um, you know, Nico Horner has a good shot to possibly outproduce Ahmed Rosario at a cheaper draft price. So Horner's a guy I, I really do like this year. Yeah. And, and like you said, they're very similar. Um, I could see either one being slightly better than the other. Honestly, um, you're not getting a ton of, you know, power in either one of these guys. What you're getting is the potential to steal some bases and, you know, potentially speed on the base paths to score some runs. And both of them will get at bats, right? They're both going to be starting. Horner's going to be a second baseman this year with Dansby Swanson starting at short for the Cubs. So they're perfectly fine players. If you're just looking to kind of fill out your roster, you need some players with who are going to be getting consistent at bats. Um, I don't think that there's like much left to like tap into. Like, I don't think these guys can suddenly become, you know, going to be adding power or, adding anything to their game that they haven't shown already. All right, Clay. Clay, Clay, Clay. We are about to talk about Javier Baez, and I, I just need to take a deep breath before I do so because there, there might not be a player with a higher ceiling in baseball than Javier Baez. There might not be a player in baseball with a lower floor on a game-to-game basis. He's the most electric player but also the most frustrating player in baseball. I don't know. There's a lot of hyperbole to go around about Javier Baez. And, you know, simply put, this guy has the ability to win MVP awards, but no discipline at the plate. And he also plays in Detroit now. And that clearly tanked his value last year, right? In 2021, coming into last year, I was somewhat singing Javier Baez's praises. Like I, I was interested in him as a fantasy option because of what he did in 2021 was so special, right? He hit 265 with 31 home runs and 18 stolen bases and drove in 87 RBIs. I mean, it was a really, really good season. And then when he went to the Mets, everything changed, right? His strikeout rate dropped to a basically a career low, or you know, uh, um, not a career low, but it was twenty eight point five percent, which was the lowest in years for him. You could tell that he was making an effort to be have at least a little bit of discipline at the plate, and the power was there. Right, he had a twenty eight percent home run for fly ball rate. Everything was flying off the bat. This is a guy that has always hit the ball really hard, and he had forty. He had a forty five percent hard hit rate in twenty twenty one. Then last year was so disappointing and just I think it left everyone with a final everyone that drafted him maybe if you didn't draft him you're still left with a bad taste in your mouth because his hard hit rate dropped to 38 percent he only hit 17 home runs he only stole nine bags you know there was no run production in a crappy Tigers lineup and he only hit 238 and any home run production you know, his home run per fly ball rate dropped from 28% to 12% because 
hitting in Comerica is impossible. I know that they're bringing in the center field fence slightly, but I don't really know how much that's really going to impact him. So, you know, he's still going ADP 166 right now. I just don't know if I can like draft Javier Baez again and 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 just do that whole thing to myself because it's just a it's a slippery slope. It's not worth it for me. I mean, I'd rather select anybody else that we've talked about on this list and just if he comes back and has one of his good years, I that's fine. That can be someone else's, you know, diamond in the rough type thing. Um, for me, Baez, just the approach is so terrible. The lineup's not great. Um, watching him at times last year was just absolutely difficult to do. Like he is just swinging at everything. And it's not like pitchers don't know this, right? Like everyone knows how to attack, attack Javier Baez. Um, and playing in that ballpark's not helping anybody. I don't see it. I don't see the bounce back coming to, you know, pre Tigers production. Um, and he's not playing in a great ballpark like like we just keep saying. Like I don't see it happening. So for me, I'm passing. Yeah, I mean, I think you just got to pass. You got to look at him and go, "Yep, been there, done that. You can't fool me again, Javier Baez. This is the this last year was your last straw. If you prove that you can take a step forward this year, fine, do it to me. Go win an MVP and prove me wrong." that I didn't draft you as a top 200 player in fantasy baseball. I don't care. I don't care. I would actually love for him to go win an MVP award. Do it, Javier. Do it. Just to spite me. Just (laughs) only me. It would be amazing. But I just don't think that's possible. I don't think he. that's where he is at at this stage in his career. Um, Clay, I want to move on to Von Grisham because... It's kind of insane how high he's going right now. Um, and And insane isn't meant in a bad way. It's not really meant necessarily meant in a good way either. Um, I just kind of want to break it down because Vaughn Grisham was one of the, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere last year. Um, he, you know, had only played 12 games above, you know, a ball in 2021. Last year, he played 74 games in high A, hit 312 with 11 home runs and 20 stolen bases. Then he got promoted to double A. What did he do? He got better. He hit 363 with three home runs and seven stolen bases, a strikeout rate under 15%. It's a really, really sick profile. And then what does he do? He gets promoted straight from double A to the majors at the end of the season. And he plays 41 games at the end of the year. He hits five home runs, has five stolen bases, strikes out just 22% of the time and hits 291, right? The underlying numbers aren't the sexiest. He only had a 34.3% hard hit rate. Um, a 7.4% barrel rate isn't bad, um, but he's going to make a lot of contact, and I, I expect him to strike out less this year. He's going to be the Braves' starting shortstop now that Dansby is gone, and he's going to have every opportunity to prove that he belongs on the field every single day. And he has shown that he has good power, solid power. I I could see 15 home runs. I could see 15 stolen bases. I just don't know how high the average will be. It really depends on how he adjusts and how he can, you know, limit the strikeouts. Yeah. And I'm not sure where he's going to be in the lineup as well in the batting order. And um, definitely a talented player and a guy that I'm in, interested in. Um, 
like you said, I'm just not sure if I'm willing to draft him, um, especially like kind of where he's going. But um, it like like we always say, it depends on your league too, like how many rounds or excuse me, how many owners are in your league and where you're, you know, filling out your roster. But if you want to take a couple swings on some guys who are either rookies or youngsters, like he's definitely at the top of that list for me. And another guy who I'm at least going to put on a watch list is CJ Abrams, right? I mean, a former top prospect traded over to Washington. He has no pressure right now. I mean, the pressure of being a top prospect, sure, but it's not like he's playing in a lineup that's going to be I don't know if he does anymore. Like, CJ Abrams is has been on top prospect list for the last, like, five years. I don't know if yeah. he does have any pressure anymore. Like, the public eye has kind of shifted away from him. The thing about CJ Abrams, though, like, that could help you in a certain way, depending on your league, it's kind of niche, is the speed, right? Like, he could steal some bases for you if you're in a position that you need stolen bases, you've drafted power elsewhere, or you're just really lacking that, that could be a sneaky good player to add if you're just trying to find some stolen bases. He does not, or he has not shown the ability to impact the baseball much. I think he had yeah, like a 2.1% barrel rate. Um, he has he has in minor leagues. And yeah. You can watch some video. Aram has posted some video on CJ Abrams, um, and you can see that the power's in there. It's just that he's not getting into his A swings at the major league level. Like he's a little bit timid and maybe not timid is the word, but like, you know, I think he feels maybe like he has to protect himself a little bit more at the major league level, which is why he didn't walk either. He had a 1.7% walk rate last year. That's a guy who has shown in the minors that he's a talented player and like he's going to get at bat. So if, if you want to roll the dice and try to get a lottery ticket and, or just fill out a specific stolen base category and see what you can do. That's that's one. I know that Tovar is another one with Colorado who's going to get some at-bats and might be interesting. Are there any other rookies that, that you're interested in for this year? Yeah, I mean, I do want to touch on C.J. Abrams for a second because I think I disagree with you a bit. And it's not that I don't believe that C.J. Abrams will develop into being a really fine player. But I think he's still a year away from being the player that we want him to be. Um, You know, last year, obviously struggled as a 21 year old, but now he's entering age 22 season. And I think it's going to take him another year. I really do think it's going to take him another year to get comfortable at the big league level. Let that power shine through. Um, You know, he was even a little bit timid. It seemed on the base paths last year at the major league level. And maybe that'll change this year, but, It just kind of seems, you know, ADP 233 seems a little steep for a ground ball, a guy that hasn't shown that he can impact the ball at the major league level yet. Obviously, the speed is there, um, but I think I just think we're maybe a year away. That's that's just my only um, concern. But to answer your questions and, you know, kind of segue into talking about some other rookies there are you know some other rookies that are very intriguing at the back end of this list um you have you know ezekiel tovar on the rockies who broke out big time last year um i actually bought his bowman chrome first auto last winter so like about a year ago i buy his bowman chrome auto for 10 or $15 on eBay. I was just scouring fan graphs as I do. And I basically just look at for prospects. My, you know, my model is 
Don't give away your tips, Coley. No, I'll give it away. If you listen to the show, you might as well get the tips, right? Look for guys that have a lot of a good amount of power. Do not strike out and have yeah, that's basically it. Like if you don't do not strike out and you have some good, decent power at the minor league level, you have a good, at least a good chance of making it. Tovar was awesome in 2021. And he has a ton of speed. But then what he did in 2022, and just to finish my story there, I bought the card for $15, Clay. I sold it for 90 That felt really good. That was my, one of my biggest wins of last year. But I've always been a Tovar guy now. So I, I this is a guy that I'm really excited to see make his you know true MLB debut. He had 35 plate appearances last year. That doesn't really count in my book. But let's just touch on what he did at AA last year. Because... He hit 318. He struck out 22% of the time. He hit 13 home runs and 17 stolen bases in just 66 games, mind you. That's less than 300 plate appearances because he did deal with some injuries. But when on the field, he is the perfect mix of power and speed and average, and he's going to make plenty of contact. And oh, by the way, does he play in Coors Field, which is, I mean, that's like fantasy heaven. Right. It's fantasy baseball heaven. There's plenty of opportunity for him to have a high average this year. Um, This is a guy I will definitely be targeting and I will definitely be drafting because the upside is um, insane to me. Um, He's going to hit for power and speed. I think he's going to make plenty of contact. He's he should be their opening day shortstop. We'll see if they play some games with him, but he should be their opening day shortstop. Yeah. And I like that pick. Um, there's two guys on this list that I wanted to ask you about who are not rookies. Um, I I don't have any interest in either one unless you're in a super deep league, but JP Crawford and David Fletcher. Any interest in either one of those guys? No, ne- next David question. Fletcher guy. Next question. Slap singles. Next question. Next question. Next question. Um, you know, I, one guy I did want to touch on. There was there's two more rookies we'll touch on at the end. Before we get into those guys, though is I did want to talk about Adalberto Mondesi because he's getting some love. He's been creeping up draft boards. He's now going, you know, actually ahead of CJ Abrams, um, ADP 228 now. And, you know, he has a profile that you can see why fantasy people are super interested in him, right? In 2019, he stole 43 bags in 102 games. He stole 24 bags in 59 games in 2020. And then, oh, by the way, he stole 15 bags in 35 games in 2021. What did he do last year? He stole five games in 15 games. So this year he might steal two game, two bases in nine games because that might be all he plays. If it, like the trend for him is that he's going to steal, steal, steal. But the trend for him is also that he's not going to play more than 60 games. And the report lately has been that he might not be ready for opening day. He's still recovering from a torn ACL. So for me, you know, it's a lot to dream on. And I think that's all that you really can do with Alberto Mondesi right now. If like at his current draft price, it's just not worth the risk. But I can see why people are interested because if he yeah. is healthy, it's insane. What he really talented player who just cannot stay on the field. We see it all the time. And those players always get drafted, right? Somebody always wants to take that risk. So I'm sure it will happen, uh, especially in deeper leagues. But yeah, a, a player I'll have on my watch list at the very least. 
<laughs> yeah, like on your watch list, but like a little bit further down the watch list. You're yeah. like, I don't want to tempt myself too much. Yeah. Um, another player I did want to talk about. Last player we'll talk about before we get into two Yankees rookie shortstops. But I want to talk about Haseon Kim because I really love Haseon Kim as a just as a player. A fantasy aside, Haseon Kim is a really talented baseball player. Um, has one of the best gloves. He can play any defensive position you ask ask him to play. Um, but he actually had a really you know, pretty solid season last year at 251, which isn't, you know, super special, but hit 11 home runs, had 12 stolen bases. Um, and I think, you know, this was his second MLB season after coming over from Korea. I think in his third season, we're going to see another jump forward for him. I think he's going to get into some more of that raw power that he does possess. Remember, this is a guy that hit 30 home runs in Korea as a 24-year-old. Um, I think there is 15 to 20 power upside. I don't know if he'll get into it, but I think it's there. The problem for Haseon Kim is... I don't really know how much he's going to play. Like he's going to find his way on the field. Most projection systems have him right between, you know, 120 and 130 games next year. But this really is a guy that should be playing every day. Like if he wasn't on the loaded San Diego Padres, he would be playing every day for somebody at shortstop. And that's not the case, but he's going to be playing. It's a guy that I'm interested in. Um, and if he falls to me, I wouldn't be opposed to taking because I do see the upside for him for the power to in- improve. And he has the the speed to match. Yeah. And he has some um, he can play a few different positions as well. And a player that I like, too. And and like you said, he's the type of player that you look for when you have an injury or you drafted someone who's a bust and you're looking for somebody to get by for a little bit. Options like him are usually available and he's one of those guys that you may be able to pick up and keep on your roster for a while. So yeah, I, I like that, that pick as well. Clay, why haven't you brought up Isaiah Connor Fluff yet? Cause I have zero interest in ever watching him play baseball or rostering him on a fantasy. Well, he stole 22 bags last year. So, you know, he might as he, you should draft him first overall is what I'm hearing. You know, it wouldn't be a bad strategy. Well, Clay, I know you're a Reds fan, so Ellie De La Cruz is going ahead of him in drafts. Just so we're just so we're on the same page here. And Ellie might not even play at the big league level next year. He'll I think he will. Actually, that's actually a good be question. Will year. he? Do you think he's gonna get at bats? Yeah, he's on the 40 man roster already. So I think that there's a definite chance. Oh, you know, he has to still produce in the minors to and stay healthy to do it. But yeah, I think closer to the second part of the season, he will get at bats. All right. That's cool. Let's talk about some Yankees rookies real quick. Wrap up this show because you have Oswald Peraza, who's being taken ADP 320 right now. Um, he had a really, you know, pretty strong debut last year, hit 306 in 18 games. Like it was a pretty small sample, but he only struck out 16% of the time in that small sample. And at the minor league level last year at AAA, he hit 19 home runs with 33 stolen bases and a 259 average struck out 23% of the time. So, you know, he's got a, a pretty advanced bat for his age. He was 22 last year. He's going to be 23 this year. Um, power speed combo and, in all likelihood, he's going to break camp as 
I think he should be the Yankees starting shortstop. I mean, we'll see if if IKF is the starting shortstop, but regardless, Oswald Peraza is going to find ways to get in the lineup. Um, so yeah, I like the profile here for Oswald Peraza. I would be interested as a as a late round flyer. Definitely um, a guy to keep an eye on for the at bat situation. Like if he is the opening day shortstop or if he's playing a lot early on, there's no doubt that he has the ability to beat out ikf right I mean, yeah and if he's not you drop him yeah and you move on it's not like you're risking a lot by drafting him late those in your are draft. those are i always like to say the last couple of picks in your draft take guys like him take guys who are starting pitchers that maybe were kind of bouncing back and forth from the minors to the majors you know, take guys who could take a big role instead of just drafting Josh Donaldson or something, hoping that, you know, whatever it works out, like take some of these guys who have a potential to have a role grow throughout the year. I kind of like Donaldson this year. I, I literally just thought of the first, that was the first name that came to mind. That's like, who's old Josh. Donaldson. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about him next episode when we talk about third baseman, but real quick, before we wrap this episode up, Anthony Volpe is the, the other name that I want to talk about because geez, do the Yankees have a lot of shortstop and second base middle infield guys, right? Glaber and IKF are kind of clogging things a little bit. I think Oswald's going to beat out IKF, but then where does that leave Anthony Volpe to play, right? This is a guy that hit 18 home runs last year and 44 stolen bases at double A, struck out 17% of the time, um, and then struggled a little bit at triple A. So that might be, you know... He's only 20. He was only 21 last year. He's going to be 22. I think that the Yankees do want him to get more seasoning at the AAA level first. Um, So maybe they bring him up in the second half of next year. Maybe they trade Glaber. There's a lot of things that could happen. So I think for now, Volpe is a guy that you keep on your watch list. It's not a guy that you necessarily need to come out of your draft. But Oswald Peraza, I would definitely feel comfortable drafting him, and I think you should. For whatever reason, I know you and I both like Labor, but for whatever reason, he's not playing well, or you keep hearing more and more rumors. I would really keep an eye on pitching, man. Yeah. And if they trade him, you better be adding Volpe immediately. Um, So, yeah, definitely keep an eye on the transactions there and the playing time. Yeah, I mean, most projection systems have Volpe slated for like 60 to 70 games. Zips has him projected for 131. And the projection for him is pretty ridiculous, Clay. 17 home runs. If he played 131 games, 17 home runs, 80 runs, 77 RBIs, and 24 stolen bases. Only a 234 average, but I don't care. The other, the other, those other stats are ridiculous. Yeah. And that's that's what you could be getting from a full season of Volpe. So in dynasty leagues, he's a beast. But yeah, in one season leagues, put him on the top of your watch list and watch out. Um, do we miss anybody? I don't think so. I mean, we covered a lot of names there. Jorge Mateo was the name, you know, stolen base guy, not a ton there playing time. I have him concerned. written down and I just didn't really feel the need to talk about him because I don't yeah, really that, think I'm going to be drafting him. So that's my analysis. Don't really care about Jorge Mateo. There's other names I like more. And yep. if listen back, you can figure out who that is. But anyways, that's going to do it. Just fantasy baseball. This was the Friday episode. We broke down shortstops. Next week, we're already coming to you with third base rankings. Hope you enjoy the episode. Let us know if you're liking it. 
Give us feedback. Give us a five-star review. Shout out to Clay on Twitter. Go follow me on Twitter. All that good stuff. We'll catch you next week. Enjoy your weekend. Adios.